Yes, hello. I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And it is the WNR212. It's the first ever live WWE Hall of Fame special. And I'm saying the class 29th, I get so excited about it, Dan. Are you excited for the Hall of Fame this year? I am very excited, yes. It's a bit of a, a quiet one. DX and Harlem Heat are the two main inductees. But, you know, obviously, Tory Wilson... And, uh, of course, the Heart Foundation and the Honky Tonk Man as yeah. well. Well, we're going to get all into that before we do anything. Let's start with the alternate intro and standing in the Hall of Fame. And the world's going to know your name because you're burned with the brightest flame. And the world's going to know your name. And you're going to be in the walls or the Hall of Fame. And now the intro. The Hall of Fame was started around the time of Andre the Giant's death. It was started to honour his passing and continued for a few years until there was a period when it was stopped altogether. From 1993, when only Andre entered the WWE Hall of Fame, there has been a steady rise in the number of inductees with every passing year. Last year, almost 13 people entered the WWE Hall of Fame thanks to the Legacy Wing, the Warrior Award and the Celebrity Wing. From a modest affair, the Hall of Fame has grown into a full-blown gala. The number of inductees into the WWE Hall of Fame varies from year to year. For example, 2004 had the most number of inductees with a whopping 11 new members joining the WWE illustrious Club of Legends. This year, with the least number of inductees, excluding the first one, was 2013 when only six new members were added to the hall. So this year, we welcome 2019 into the Hall of Fame. Well, we'll bring you at least one match from each legend and Tory Wilson. Oi, oi. I'm oi. sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Well, we start from a man who's cool, he's cocky, he's bad, and now he's a WWE Hall of Famer. The Honky Tonk Man, the longest reigning intercontinental champion in WWE history, is the latest inductee into the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2019. With slick back hair and sideburns, reminiscent of a certain rock and roll icon, the Honky Tonk Man first arrived on the scene in WWE 1986 with a wide-eyed smile on his face, trying to earn the adulation of the W universe. But W fans didn't quite take to the Elvis lookalike, despite the stamp of approval from Hulk Hogan, as he jeered the newcomer relentlessly. A frustrated Honky Tonk Man called for a vote of confidence for the W universe, and when the results came back home with negative, the rockabilly wrestler snapped. Enlisting the managerial services of fellow WWE Hall of Famer Jimmy Hart, the honky-tonk man unleashed his evil side, setting out to make his opponents twist and shout in agony. And if the damage he inflicted on his opponents wasn't enough, he subjected the WWE Universe to his unique talents as a singer, factitiously think- thanking fans and telling them they are a wonderful audience. He belted out his own entrance music. Well, the new attitude was apparently just what the crooner needed. He racked up a victory after victory in his way to become the Intercontinental Champion in June 1987 over Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. I got a long side burns and my hair slicked back. I'm coming to your town and my pink Cadillac. I'm just a honky tonk man. I'm just a honky tonk man. I'm just a honky tonk man. I'm cool. I'm cocky. I'm bad. So we start off our first match. It's Prime Time Wrestling episode 120, 22nd of June, 
1987. We get greeted with uh, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Always loved these two-man chemistry. You know that? It's always been a favourite of mine. It is kind of reminiscent of us, James. You are the Bobby the Brain to my Gorilla Monsoon. I finally take that one. And we're going to start the action off quickly. Intercontinental title on the line. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus the Honky Tonk Man. And Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart's trying to get involved. Dragon kicks him away and uh, sends Honky Tonk Man over the top rope. Uh, Ricky Steamboat, super over, just recently beat Macho Man at WrestleMania 3 for the title. Do you know there's three things about Honky Tonk Man, James? He's cool, he's cocky, and he's bad. <laughs> That's true, but at the moment he just got chopped to the face as well. And Ricky Steamboat snapped my head takedown, of course, uh, another Hall of Famer. And so is Jimmy Hartle, the colonel, as he likes to be known. Honky sent in the corner. And going back, what, 32 years now as well. It's incredible it's that long ago. Dragon Steamboat with a double hand chop across the chest. And it's been all Steamboat and now a big knife edge chop as well. Irish rip reversed by Honky Tonk. The dragon slopes underneath the clothesline attempt. Rolls him up. Two. No, only a two count. Two. Honky Tonk Man kicks Steamboat off into the top turnbuckle. Now he's kind of got a bit here. Now Honky's got Steamboat over that top rope. Hangs him up to try. <laughs> and Steamboat selling it brilliantly. Now the Honky Tonk Man back in. Double axe handle smashed to the top of the neck. Or to the bottom of the neck, top of the back. Top of the back to you. Top of the back to you. And then right to the eyes, but Steamboat turns it round the corner. Throughout the crowd, James. No mobile phones. Everyone just there in the moment. And you can hear the noise as well. Definitely into this match for the Intercontinental title. Honky going to slam Steamboat. Push up on that second rope. Oh, looking to drop the elbow, but Steamboat moving out the way. So I don't think you get managers like Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart anymore. Or the Colonel. Now Steamboat with a chop to the face of Honky Tonk. Another snap there, takedown. Just a fist to the forehead. Load his head, but got caught. And now it's Honky. Going to look for the shake, rattle and roll. No. Dragon with a backdrop. Honky Tonk man looking to come and attack him in the corner. Steamboat moves out of the way and Honky Tonk upside down. Then a huge chop and Irish whip. Steamboat goes down low and then a back fist to the forehead. And the referee, uh, Jimmy Hart distracts the referee. Palm strike by Steamboat. He's got the cover. Referee's being distracted by Jimmy Hart. Oh, the frame into the ring. Drop kicks Honky Tonk Man into Mouth of the South. Go roll him up and I think Honky Tonk Man turned it around on Steamboat. Had hold of the bottom rope, but got the pinfall and the victory. <laughs> and Honky Tonk Man becomes your new Intercontinental Champion. And a shock around the crowd as well. And your new Intercontinental Champion. A little piece of history there as Honky Tonk wins. Steamboat can't believe it. One of the most upsetting victories of the era. What are your thoughts on that match? I thought it was actually quite good and entertaining for, you know, for 32 years ago. Steamboat, he was obviously a brilliant, brilliant performer in his day. And the Honky Tonk Man wasn't a terrible wrestler either. Not at all, you know, and he definitely could go. And it's great to see that he's part, of course, of the Hall of Fame. Following his big win, the Honky Tonk Man went on to claim that he was the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. At first, that boast may have rang a little hollow, but his claim 
held a little more water as his reign continued. Well, by hook or by crook, the Hong Kong man held on to the Inter-Court Championship for nearly 13 months before his reign ended in a lightning quick fashion at the hands of the Ultimate Warrior at SummerSlam 1988. His record-breaking 454 days as Intercontinental Champion is a defeat that stood the test of time as no superstars come close to eclipsing the unprecedented championship reign. The Honky Tonk Man was, surprisingly, also willing to share the spotlight later in his WWE career. Whether it was tag team slash band Rhythm and Blues with Greg the Hammer Valentine, or as the manager of Rockabilly, Rockabilly, fellow 2019 inductee Billy Gunn of Degeneration X. But once again, the spotlight will be on the Honky Tonk Man as he takes his place in sports entertainment history. A really interesting story goes into Honky Tonk's IC title reign. Well, it all starts with a newly crowned Intercontinental Champion who stole the show at WrestleMania 3, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. He and his wife are having a baby and Ricky decides that he wants to spend time at home with his family. The only problem? He was still the IC champ. So Vincent Mann decides he needs a new star to carry second most prestigious title. The decision is made to have the natural Butch Reed defeat Steamboat and become the new champion. The only problem? Butch Reed no-showed and was extremely late the day they were going to do the title switch. With Butch Reed nowhere to be found, a new wrestler needed to be elevated. Vince goes to his top guy at the time, Hulk Hogan, and looks for his input. Jake Roberts' name is mentioned, but he is also a known show. Well, it took a random stroll through the hallway for history to change. Wayne Farris, the honky-tonk man, was walking down the same corridor when Vincent Mann and Hulk Hogan were brainstorming, and as Farris passed them by, Hogan blurts out, what about him? Vince calls Faust to his office and suggests a scenario where the Honky Tonk Man beats Ricky Steamboat for the IC title. The two shake hands and a deal is struck. And just like that, Honky Tonk was a new IC champion. Wayne made it known to Vince McMahon that he wasn't going to become a transitional champion. He wanted an opportunity to really have a solid run. And that's exactly what he got. The Honky Tonk Man would hold on to the IC belt for 454 days a record which still stands to this day. Was it meant to last that long? No. But that brings us to the second part of this tale. Well, there came a time when man wanted a total switch and decided to take the belt off HCM and put it back around the waist of the macho man Randy Savage. Long Talk Man refused the idea for a few reasons. The first was being his title run was a success. He had managed to become one of the biggest draws to the company as a top heel. The second was failed to see the logic having Savage win the title, but rather chasing after it instead. Man had a handshake deal with Fabs that Man felt obligated to honour. To appease Randy Savage, who was more than likely upset by the decision, was instead given a richer prize, the WWF heavyweight title. Randy would get the belt in a one-night tournament at WrestleMania 4, defeating the million DBOC in the finals. It was a bigger title to receive, but with Savage getting promoted, someone needed to be sent down a peg or two. That person was Ted DiBiase. Well, Ted DiBiase had become the biggest heel in the WWF at the time and was promised a world title run to further elevate his character. With Savage getting the title belt instead, it was Ted DiBiase who became the odd man out. Vince's bright idea to try and keep DiBiase happy was to create a new title just for him, hence the million-dollar belt was created. Well, Ted DiBiase was obviously angry and resentful towards the honky-tonk man over the incident for many years. Although recently, DiBiase has gone public and admitted that having the million-dollar belt made him more money than the WWF title ever would. He will induct... He 
will be inducted into the Hall of Fame by Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. Ah, so there you have it. A no-show that set off a chain reaction of events that changed WWF history. Instead of Butch Reed becoming the first black Intercontinental Champion, Randy Savage became a legend, and Tim Dibbs becoming one of the most talented wrestlers to be world champion. And the Hunk Top Man become arguably one of the greatest IC champions of all time. But also he was a tag team wrestler as well. And let's not forget about Rhythm and Blues. And we're going to see Honky and Greg Ta- Valentine in action at WrestleMania 5. And Jimmy Hart again managing Rhythm and, Rhythm and Blues. Now Tonk, and now look at the difference. He's got the whole jumpsuit on. Full on Elvis gear. He certainly did embrace his uh, Honky Tonk Man character. <laughs> and here the team they're going to go against. It's the Heart Foundation, another Hall of Fame team. Inductees. Yeah. It's almost as if you planned it like this. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> now look how young Bret Hart is right now. Look at that. 1989, of course. April 2nd, 1989. So a couple of years on from Hong Kong Man's Intercontinental Total victory. But the Heart Foundation have been making a statement and been looking for the tag team titles. See, I like these names. You've got Brett the Hitman Hart. <laughs> You've got Greg the Hammer Valentine. You've got Jim the Anvil Neidhart. All strong names. Then you've got Honky Tonk the Man. Yes. And Jimmy Hart. Mouth of the South. Mouth of the South as well. So they've all got the nicknames. And this is the kind of character driven of the 80s. You know, WrestleMania 5 at Trump <laughs> Plaza as well. And the main event's all about Hogan and Macho. But we're getting, you know, to see this kind of undercard and what they would become, you know, with Bret Hart. Of course, the Hart Foundation with the Honky Tonk. Like I said, he was a useful mid-card. You know, he was very dislikable, wasn't he, with the Honky Tonk? Yeah, same as uh, Greg Valentine as well. Brett's trying to pin Honky, but Honky managed to kick out in the only oh, going. Swing and a miss for Honky Tonk Man. And we've got Jesse Ventura and Greta Monsoon on commentary here. Atomic drop and then an inverted atomic. Honky Tonk Man gets a tag into Greg Valentine. Oh, he gets caught with an <laughs> atomic drop. And a drop kick from Hitman. And I tell you what, the heart violation has started strong in this one. Jimmy Hammer and Hart nailing Hammer. And now he gets to tag in. Oh, very innovative there, using the rope to kind of catapult Anvil Neidhart in. But only getting a two count from the cover. Two. And now Bret Hart, back break, second rope, going to hit the elbow. But the Hammer moving out of the way and dropping a few elbows of his own. Followed by a huge fist. Irish whip into his corner. Tags in the Memphis honky-tonk man. Jim the Anvil trying to get in and break up the two-on-one assault, but the referee just pushing it back to his corner. And honky-tonk man with a snap there. And it just comes down with a punch. It's definitely a change of pace from takeover, isn't it? It most certainly <laughs> is, yeah. <laughs> Big 20 miles ago, which is what the most incredible wrestling, now it's kind of like, just take it nice and easy. It feels like a Sunday afternoon, if you know what I mean. Indeed, yeah. You know, double team. Brett's been caught by Honky. Huge elbow off the second rope. 
Now the hills are in full control. Don't get me wrong, I like Greg Valentine, but <laughs> I don't know if he'd make it in this day and age. So he had a great um, Doc Collar Chain match with Roddy Piper at Starcade, but the kind of way he looks, especially with that glorious mullet that he's got. Well, I think Greg the Hammer Valentine and Jim the Anvil Neidhart, Hammers and Anvils, they're kind of similar style wrestlers. You know, the old school brute, beat them up, you know, just hard hitting. Uh, not your most technical wrestlers. Bowling show ugly offence, but effective. Mm. You know, they're the ones that they get the hot tag from the smaller guy, you know, either Bret Hart or the Honky Tonk Man. A bit more technical and we're getting a shake rattle and roll on Bret Hart and that is it but no they don't want to finish him there he's going to tag in Greg the Hammer Valentine who's going to uh, expose his knee no they're going to try and humiliate Bret with a figure four but Bret grabs out of the head rolls him through well that's good tag team wrestling there Greg getting in Jim's face kind of wild him up so he can get a few cheap shots in to, no, Brett kicking out. Oh. Oh, Brett Hart with a flying crossbody. But Hunky Tonk Man kicks out with such force. Oh. It sends Brett to the outside. And now just constant tags by the Hill team. They've got Brett in all sorts of trouble. Oh, uh, Schmidt, but Brett with a backslide. Looking to roll up Valentine. He holds on to the top rope. Finally gets a tag to Jim the Anvil Neidhart. He comes in with a standing drop kick. Huge shoulder tackle. <laughs> Drop kick to Honky Tonk Man. Shoulder tackle taking down Hammer Valentine. Oh. But Honky Tonk Man breaking up the pinfall attempt. Pissing off Jim the Anvil Neidhart. He had a certain energy, didn't he? Like, so he come in now. <laughs> yeah, but he had like a Mojo Rawley kind of energy. You know, the shoulder tackles. The, if he got down in a three-point stance, that would really top the balance. I don't know. Well, I think Jim is... Um... Better than him. Much, much, much better, yeah. But he's been caught now by Greg, snap there, right into Honky. And just like that, hot tag stop, but Jim's up. Breaking his foot into the ring, so uh, Anvil can send Honky Tonk's man head straight into it. Scoop slam from Brett. On the second, finally hits that elbow, second time of asking. And now Brett's going to look for the suplex. Picture Two, no. Only a two count before Greg the Hammer comes in and breaks it up. Two. Uh-oh, and now the, the Anvil's chasing Jimmy Hart. Who throws Hart's megaphone into Brett. Hits Honky Tonk with it. Don't know. Oh, no. Greg the Hammer comes in and breaks up the pinfall attempt. No, he doesn't. They couldn't get him in time and Brett Hart and the, uh, the Hart Foundation win. Nefarious means, but I guess any means necessary... And they walk out of here with the victory. Dan, what are your thoughts? Um, again, it's not your catch-can-style wrestling, but it was quite an impressive showing nonetheless. You know, it was, uh, it was a short, what, seven-minute match, if that. Relatively harmless. Uh, the thing is, is uh, Honky was going to cheat, and Anvil stopped him, and they Hartford has used it. You know, to their advantage. So fair enough. And like young team getting the victory over the older guys does make sense as well. You know, so I'm more than happy with that. Most definitely, yeah. All right. So we, before we move on to the Heart Foundation, just final thoughts on Honky Tonk and any memories from you, down personal or otherwise? Um, I think that you know the most vivid memory I've got of him is in the 2001 Royal Rumble, where he comes down and then Kane's 
waiting for him in the ring. And he says, now hold on there, big fella. I got something to say to all my fans. And then he starts singing his theme. And Kane, obviously not impressed with that, gets the guitar and just swats him <laughs> over the head with it. Yeah, and it, well, at least he had this little moment, didn't he? So that was great. But we do move on to the Hart Foundation. Yes, Brett Hitman Hart and the late Jim the Anvil Neidhart symbolised tag team excellence in WWE in the 80s and early 90s. Now the two-time WWE Tag Team Champions will forever be immortalised in sports entertainment history. Yeah, the news was first reported by Yahoo Sports. With this induction, Bret Hart will become a two-time, two-time W Hall of Fame inductee joining Ric Flair and fellow 29 inductee Shawn Michaels with DX and, of course, Harlem Heat's Booker T. Well, Hart and I Hart were no strangers to each other before joining forces. In fact, the Anvil and Hitman were brothers-in-law. That close connection made them gel almost instantly when they joined WWE's tag team ranks in 1985, guided by the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. Hart's technical prowess and Neidhart's raw power made them a team to be reckoned with from the moment they debuted. In early 1987, the Hart Foundation finally set their sights on the world tag team titles held by the British Bulldogs, comprised of Dave Boy Smith and Dynamite Kid. With the help of Jimmy Hart and the crooked official Danny Davis, Hart and Iron Held captured the first world tag team championships. Though they had reached the top of the tag team mountain, the Hart Foundation soon became disillusioned with Jimmy Hart's nefarious ways. When they split from their manager, Hart and Nide Hart soon found themselves the target of the Mouth of the South's new charges whether it was the fabulous Rougeau brothers or the Honky Tonk Man and Greg Valentine, Hart even enlisted tag teams outside his stable with superstars like Demolition to take out the Hart Foundation. Well, by 1990, Hitman and the Anvil had fought off Jimmy Hart's attempt to tear them down and turned their attention back to W's top tag team prize. After bulldozing over the Bolsheviks in seconds at WrestleMania 6, the Hart Foundation made it clear they were coming for the world tag team titles. It would take a few months... But at SummerSlam 1990, they faced demolition. So we move on 27th of August, and the Hart Foundation are going to face demolition. So and what a great interview it was beforehand as well with the legend, which is Mean Gene Oakland, and just showing the character of Anvil being kind of hyped up and ready for action. Brett saying, calm down, you know, we're going to beat him at their own game. Make sure they have a heart attack. And it's gonna James, be- you're just sick, man. You know Crush died of a heart attack. And it's Axe and Crush that's going to be in this match as well. Tag team titles, two out of three falls. So we've seen a two out of three falls last night. Do you reckon this a kind of uh, stand up to that? And they're standing in the wrong corners and it just makes the fucking match look really weird. Well, I'm sure you get over it. But it should be exciting with Brett starting off. Starting off with Axe. But Crush coming in. And the Anvil going to attack early. And that's the Heart Foundation. Going to go a bit of double teaming. Double back elbows. We've got Vincent Mann and Rowdy Roddy Piper on commentary. And Bret Hart trying to go for a roll-up, trying to get it early. No, kick out. Uh-huh. Now a lovely arm drag by Bret, grabbing the elbow. And now the Anvil's in, and he's off to work, and it's quick tags for the Hart Foundation. They've got a plan to try and take the tag team titles away from Demolition. And again, two classic early 90s team. I mean, Demolition was WWE's attempt to try and replicate Legion of Doom. And in their own way, actually become successful and one of the longest reigning tag team champions in history. What was your thoughts on uh, Demolition then? I don't mind Axe and Smash. You know, when Crush came into it, 
It was you know, health worries, obviously. That's why Crush came in to try and you know, lighten the load. But I think Demolition as a whole, looking back, they look stupid now because they just look weird costumes. But at the time, they were quite formidable in a weird way, you know. So, And even when, you know, during this time, helping the Heart Foundation out, I think they did their job. So this is, is this Crush before or after he became the Hawaiian, like... Before. Before. Because then, like, he kind of bleached his mallet a bit blonde tinty and uh, dressed in Hawaiian colours. Yep. And then turned heel. Match with Macho Man at WrestleMania 10. 10. And then part of Chronic later on in his life. And just catching Bret Hart and slamming him down. And they're worried about Smash at this moment. So I was just the age and just getting to him. But he's still around. And weirdly enough, Axe and Smash still perform in the independent circuit every now and again. (laughs) But it's Crush. The Irish rip to Bret. He puts his foot up. But Crush hasn't fallen yet. Bret with a roll up. No, Crush managed to get the shoulder up at two. And now the Anvil's got the tag in. Oh, but kick from behind by Crush. And that's demolition on the attack. So they got Crush in because they're concerned of health problems to the other two members of demolition. Yeah, Crush is dead and the other two were performing until last year. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it, really? Just shows what happens when you actually do look after wrestlers, I suppose. And that's irony. Well, Jim now ch- tagging in Brett and he's going face-to-face with Axe. Two men going toe-to-toe. Brett getting the upper hand. Irish whip. Clothesline. Drop kick to Crash, who's trying to make his way in. Well, referee should be counting him out. And Brett now jumping on Crush. Got a mount on him, punching him out of the head. Grabs Axe. Inverted atomic drop. And now Brett with the Irish whip. Axe into Crush. Sends Crush to the outside to the feet of Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Brett with a side Russian leg sweep. Two. Only a two count for him. Two. And a crowd really into this. Thought that was it. And now Brett with a backbreaker. Brett perched on the second. Drops the elbow for the cover. And Crush with a leg drop across the back of the head of Brettman. And now Demolition looks to put... Bret Hart away. Jim's out on the outside. Set up across Axe's knee. Crash with the elbow drop to the throat. Got the pinfall on the free count. Right. Got the pinfall on the first victory. Yeah, it's a demolition win the first fall. As they celebrate the Hart Foundation in serious trouble now. You know, the referee ordered Jimmy Avalon and Hart out. And that gives demolition a chance to beat up Brett a little bit more. But we talk about, you know, seeing potential here in the superstars. You can see with Brett being that underdog, doing it really, really well at the moment. As he gets clotheslined again and broken down. Smash with a close two count. Tags in Crush. I always used to get those two confused acts in a smash. You're telling me it's Smash in there, yeah? Crush is in there now. Right, so Crush there now and Smash on the apron. I apologise for all Smashing Axe fans for getting that wrong. I'm sure we'll receive many email. <laughs> many letters from these old fans. Yes. Uh, Fax mail. Yeah. Or a telegram. Now Brett getting to his feet, trying to fight away from Crush. We catch him with a palm thrust. Now smash for the Irish Rick, goes for the clothesline. Brett dodges. Hits one of his own. Brett man. Brett man. Brett man. 
the Brett man. No, 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 Brett man. Tag in, Anvil man. Well, Demolition there trying to double team. Referee saying he got to break it. Brett finally gets across to tag in Jim the Anvil Neidhart, who unloads on Crush. Like, smash. And now it's Crush getting smashed by Jim. <laughs> Back elbow by Jim. Goes for the cover. Oh, only a two count, though. Two. Oh, it's ripped by a Neidhart. Oh, lovely power slam there. Two. No, only a two count. Two. And what would it do? What would it take to put Demolition away? Now the Anvil with shoulder thrusts. Brett Irish whipping Jimmy Anvil Neidhart into the corner. Shoulder first. Oh my God! Crush off the apron, and now Brett setting it up. Is it heart attack? Bang! Hits it. Brett across for the cover. One, One two. two. Oh. And Crush breaking out, going after the referee. Getting himself disqualified. And it is one all now. Well, was that a rookie mistake there by Crush? Of course, he's new to all this. If he'd have hit Brett, it wouldn't have gone a disqualification. <clears throat> well, one for each now. And it's been a war so far, but Crush trying to make up for it. And now James Anvil's going to go check outside on Brett. Oh, my God. An axe coming out here. And he's hiding underneath the ring. So referee can't see it at the moment. Oh my god, there's shenanigans going on. They're all in cahoots. Well, I think he's just going under the ring just to check, make sure he thinks... Maybe he left something there. there. Maybe he put his lunchbox there earlier. And he's checking to see if there's any turds growing in it. Mm. See if there's any biscuits left in it. Well, Brett is a legal man. And the anvil's desperate for a tag. Crashes in the ring. No, smashes in the ring. Sunset flip from Brett. Two. No, only a two count. Two. And then smash hit with the atomic drop. Brett sweeping the leg. He's looking for the sharpshooter. No, just a kick to the bread basket. Uh, Jimmy Anvil's tagged in. Look at the double team. Oh, no. Anvil looking to throw Brett into smash. But he sidesteps. Brett lands on the ropes. <laughs> and Neidhart picks up Brett, slams him. Onto Crush, uh, at Smash, but Crush comes in and breaks it up. We've not seen anything from Axe yet. Well, Smash the outside now. And as you say that, underneath the apron, it's Axe who's come out. The old switch Rooney. Can't referee notice his full face paint. And now straight in the attack of Brett. He's not even been in this match. Fresh as a daisy. Brett fighting off Axe, who hits a huge close on and Brett. Scoop slam from Axe. Goes for the cover. Only a two count. Two. Side Russian leg sweep. Goes for another cover. Oh, but Brett managing to kick out. Ah. Thrown stern and fast into the turnbuckles. Another cover, but Jim the Anvil coming to break it up. And now Crush just comes in without any tag. Tiltwell backbreaker. Completely punishing Brett. And well, have two count, and Anvil in to break it up again. He's got no choice. He knows Brett's basically done at the moment. Swinging a miss at Axe. Brett get drag, gets dragged out, and he's getting worked over by both Axe and Smash. Oh, come on, referee. you got to see this. This double team moving the outside. And Smash is back into it. Axe to the outside, but wait a minute. Brett getting thrown throat first over the second rope. Oh, my God. 
And it's the original Legion of Doom coming down, searching under the ring, grabbing Axe out by his ankle. And Demolition looking to finish it. Referee's distracted. Hulk crotches. Oh, Smash looking to chase the LOD off. Jim the Anvil comes in. Schoolboy, one, two, three. Oh! And the Heart Foundation get the victory. And become the new tag team champions. And they've done it. And the crowd got absolutely mental as well. What a crazy finish that was to our three falls. I know it wasn't on a takeover level, but that wasn't a bad match, was that it? That was actually a lot more enjoyable than I anticipated. How no one could tell the difference between Axe and Smash. Not that we could at the start oh, yeah, of the match. Yeah, 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 to be fair. But once we were wise to it. Yeah. But I think really good stuff there from the Heart Foundation and Demolition. I think the right team won. Like I said, Legion Zoom were coming to feud the Demolition, but at this point, Demolition were kind of on their last legs, as it was in the WWE. But still a great bit of history, and Bret Hart, Jimmy Champions, and of course, Hall of Famers. And though they split up in the summer of 91, the Hart Foundation left an indelible mark in the WWE Tag Division, creating many lasting memories of the WWE Universe. That's why no greater honour than this century tag team induction into the Hall of Fame. So, James, what are your thoughts or favourite moments of the Heart Foundation? Well, I tell you what, when I first heard the news, I was disappointed that it wasn't the actual kind of the Heart Foundation that I kind of know, with Brian Dog and Owen Hart involved. I think if it had been the five of them, I'd have been really happy because I think they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame as much as Bret Hart does again. Of course, Jim the Anvil, Nine Hart. I think Jim, I think could have Anvil got in by himself, maybe so. But with the Hart Foundation, and I think the reason they're doing double rings now as well to stop arguments. You know what I mean? Because we know the Harlem Heat and Ric Flair and Triple H, you could have multiple ones, and to give it to Bret as well. But uh, I think tag teams go about with a feud of the Bulldogs back in the early nineties is fantastic. And even when, like I said, they, they teamed back up together, Canadian Stampede '97. One of my favourite matches of all time, all five of them teamed as well. I think the Heart Foundation are a great tag team, Dan, aren't they? They featured high on our list as well. Oh, know? most definitely, yeah. Yeah, they've uh, they've achieved a lot and they, they was a very good pairing of wrestlers as well. You know, you've got the strength of Anvil, you've got the technical ability of Bret Hart, who in his own right is a great wrestler as yeah. well. And the problem is it's it only is it's tinged a little bit because, of course, the passing of Jim Yanvon Arhart uh, last year. And will he rest in peace? But we uh, move on. Yes, and we move on to the next star in the Hall of Fame. And that is Tory Wilson, who went from a small-town Idaho gal to a worldwide superstar. Well, the news was first reported by ESPNW. A budding fitness model in the late 90s, Wilson's entrance into sport entertainment came out of a backstage visit to WCW with her then-boyfriend. She accompanied Scott Steiner to the ring and ended up staying in the industry for close to a decade after that. While competing occasionally in WCW, Wilson was also the manager for competitors like David Flair, Billy Kidman, the Filthy Animals and Shane Douglas. Wilson joined WWE when the company purchased WCW in spring 2001. Her and penchant for entertainment made her a great fit to WWE during one of the sports entertainment industries biggest eras. Wilson's partnership with a friend and sometimes rival Stacey Keebler made her a key figure in WCW's invasion angle of WWE. Well, once that invasion was fought off, Wilson became a pivotal member of the WWE's women's division, engaging in memorable rivalries with the likes of Keebler, Sable and Molina. 
She even fought for her family's honour against the nefarious Dawn Marie. Wilson later joined forces with Candice Michelle and Victoria to sow chaos on Monday night. Raw even bringing a pet dog Chloe into the fray while battling superstars such as Trish Tratters and Mickey James. Injuries forced Wilson out the ring in 2008, but she soon found a new pattern, helping others get in shape through ventures like her business. Tori Wilson is fit. <laughs> yes, you cannot disagree with that. But Wilson did not stay away from sports entertainment for good. In 2018, she returned to the ring to take part in the first ever Women's Royal Rumble match. Then later that year, was featured as a competitor at WWE Evolution in the first ever all-women's pay-per-view event in a battle royal for a future championship opportunity. And now, for contributions that help blaze a trail for women in sports entertainment, Wilson will take her place in sports entertainment history. All right, it was really difficult picking out a match, but we are going to do it. We're going to go to Rebellion. So this is the Tory Wilson segment. Yes. So is it a bra and panties match? It is not a bra and panties match. Why isn't it a bra and panties because, match? Because, Dan, I want to try and respect her to find a normal match. But do you know how many bra and panty matches or gravy bar matches or any kind of lingerie pillow fight she's done? Honestly, there are loads out I there. I know, James. I've done my fucking research yeah. here. This well, is Tory Wilson we're talking about. I found one on a few. It's not a singles match, but still, it's not too bad. October 26th, 2002, we're in... Uh, in good old Eng- we're in Manchester, England, England, and it's Rebellion 2002, and it's Tori Wilson teaming up with her and then husband Billy Kidman to go against Dawn Marina, part of her choice. But it's all about storyline. Dan, tell us a little bit about Al Wilson. Uh, Al Wilson is Tori Wilson's father. Uh, Dawn Marie was caught in a shower with him. They was kind of having an affair. I think he had a heart attack in the end and died, didn't he? He did die, yes. And Dawn Marie was kind of like effectively a stepmother or evil stepmother, as it were. And uh, these two women had a few classic encounters down the line. Unfortunately, both of these women weren't what you say the most technical. So I think this might help to be... um, a mixed, match tag, a, a mixed oh. tag match that we're going to see now. Oh, we was going down a completely different path. We so. really were, yeah. But I know you're a fan of Tori Wilson. And Dawn Marie, you know, she she did a bit. He's going against... <laughs> here we go. So the young John Cena is coming out here. And my God, does he look like... And just coming off the uh, the conveyor belt as it was. <laughs> Ex- Indeed, explain yeah. his look for anybody that can't see him well he's wearing a green he's thrown up the double clutch fair yeah. play to that but he's wearing green and white He's uh, he's got a bit of a cocky kind of look and attitude obviously he's teaming up with Dawn Marie so he's uh, playing the heel in this one as you will but um, yeah you know short spiky hair as well but he is near just a couple of months away from finding the character that kind of change his career, wouldn't he, you know? so Define his career. Yeah. And Dawn Marie, if that fucking rip was just a few inches to the right. 
on her trunks. All right, Dan. We're going to try and pay respect to the women here because they've main event the first ever WrestleMania tomorrow night. And we're going to celebrate Tori Wilson here tonight. So what do you have that makes you think you can go against me? Ruthless aggression. Well, Billy Kidman, we've been a huge admirer of his matches 20 years ago yeah. now. This is, what, 10 years ago? No, not even this that. This is 2002. 2002, so we're going back three years for when he was uh, kind of toiling away in... WCW's cruiserweight division. Well, I tell cruiserweight you champion, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. He was probably one of the most well-protected cruiserweights at that time. You know, we've seen him in matches. And, of course, that move across and now, talk about toiling, kind of not really have a direction here in WWE, even though Kidman, I think, could have had a lot more. I think if there's more stuff like NXT nowadays, he definitely would have been around. Dan, please stay with me. This is Tori Wilson's coming out here. You're going back, like, 17 years here. Yeah. And she looks fitter now than she does there. And you reckon? Yeah, oh, she looks fucking absolutely stunning now. <laughs> but we're respecting them for their talent yes. in the ring. And she's in the ring and she is talent. And she wants to go after Dawn Marie. Both men holding the women back. Oh. And John Cena, very heel-like. We've not seen a John Cena like this <laughs> ever. And he attacks Billy Kidman from behind. Irish Rip has a takedown from Billy Kidman, though. John Cena, even though he's wearing green, very, very green. You're right, Dan. He's green as anything, but this is, you know, chance to learn. But going against Kidman, who we know is a good worker, so can maybe help Cena out a little bit. Plus, we don't have to see Tory Wilson a lot in this match, which is another good thing. Oh, my God. Seeing Irish Rip in the corner with Kidman. A delayed vertical suplex where John Cena's doing a few squats with Billy Kidman in his arms, but a backslide from Kidman rolls him up. Two, oh, only a two count. Two. John Cena springs off the mat with a huge clothesline takedown. Let's see if we can see any remnants of the nowadays John Cena. Oh, wait a minute. Dawn Marie's just tagged herself in. And it's a legal tag, and she's beating up Billy Kidman right now. Uh-oh, Kidman catches Dawn. The fans want Tori in the ring. And here she comes. Kidman's knee getting spanked by Tori Wilson. And now Tori on the attack. The Hall of Famer with the Irish whip. Oh, leapfrog. Arm drag takedown. Oh my word, this is brilliant. A lovely drop kick as well. Goes for a cover. Two, only a two count. Two. Irish Rip now, Dormery in the corner, jumps over. Rolls up Tori, but only gets a two herself. Two. Now shot to the midsection. X-Factor. And Dormery paying tribute to another Hall of Famer going in with the X-Factor, going for the cover. But Tori again managed to kick out. Oh. And Tori also fighting with everything she's got in this one. Can she stay in it? Dodges the clothesline, rolls through. Spear! Spear! <laughs> Rolling around. Oh, I want to see him do the classic roll over the referee, but oh. they're going to roll over Billy Kidman instead. They roll over Kidman. Billy's got Dormarie's arse in his face. <laughs> Kidman cheering it. Just sent out of the ring by the ref. And Dormarie's not happy. Oh, no, Cena, don't do it. Oh! Cena scoop slamming Tory Wilson. You son of a gun. And now Dormarie in control of Tory. 
What was uh, that move there, James? Uh, that looked like a headbutt to the midsection of Tori Wilson, and Dormarie backed off now into the corner of Cena, who knocks Kitman down. Don't you do it, John. Going toe-to-toe with Tori Wilson. Oh, this is not allowed in these days. Tori went for a slap and caught. The strength of Cena. Oh! <laughs> Low blow by Wilson. Tags in Billy Kidman. A lovely spinning back elbow off the top. Clothesline takedown. Followed by a lovely drop kick. Goes for a cover. Two. No, but Cena. Oh. So Tory gets one over on John Cena here. But Dawn Marie with kick to the back of Kidman. But Billy throws Dawn Marie in by a hair. Cena catching him and delivering a thunderous spine buster. Goes for the cover. Two. No. In kid- two count. I was about to say Kidman out again. Two. There's close now. Going to go for back suplex. Kidman rolling through. One. Two. Oh. Dawn Marie trying to break it up. Kidman moving out of the way. Dawn hitting a tag team partner. Tori Wilson in and again taking down Dawn Marie. Both of them rolling on the outside. Cena kick to the midsection. Kidman with a backslide. Step up in Seguri. Knocks Cena to the mat. And John Cena may be out. Being put in position now. And Kidman looking to go up. Tory Wilson, Dobbery fighting on the outside. Shooting star. Barely hit Cena. Two, three. And ladies and gentlemen... We have just witnessed John Cena getting beaten by Billy Kidman. Yeah. Clean. Yeah, clean as a whistle. Who would have thought that? Eh? You talk about wins and losses, kid. Does it really matter now where you look at their career trajectory? But fair play to Billy Kidman because he married Tori Wilson. Well, I was uh, just Sorry, about he did well in the match. I was well. just about to say that what would you rather do? Get engaged to Nikki Bella... And win 16 WWE championships or be married to Tory Wilson. And I'll be like, fuck the championships, mate. Tory Wilson. I, I couldn't agree more. But Tory Wilson into the Hall of Fame and gives Kidman and Wilson kiss for good luck. And, of course, into the Hall of Fame. Deservedly so. But, Dan, do you think she deserves to be in the Hall of Fame? She most certainly does, yes. Um, she... She wasn't the greatest of wrestlers, you know, in the era of Trish Stratus and Lita. She wasn't, you know, up to their level. But she was an entertainer. And that's what wrestling is partly about, sports entertainment. So, yeah. yeah. I think she played quite an important role with Stacey Keebler coming in. Because if you look at them coming from WCW, they were WWE divas after that point. And kind of, that's how popular they were. So it kind of showed that of everything from the evasion angle. With those two women, probably one of the most successful things from it. And yeah, like I said, I think Tori also deserves it. She had treatment when she first tried. I remember this after, just after the invasion. Uh, uh, getting off with Vincent Mann in very poor taste. And, you know, Tori will start to go through a lot of stuff like that as well. But I to be into the Hall of Fame. We'll move on then to the next one. Yes, and Harlem Heat are to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2019. Yeah, Booker T and Steve Ray were one of the most dominant tag teams of the 90s. Steve Ray over the competition in WWE to count tag team champions on 10 occasions. Now the brothers will be immortalised in sports entertainment history. Bursting onto the scene straight off 110th Street in Harlem, 
Booker T arrived in WCW in summer of 1993, bringing a streetwise, in-your-face attitude to the squared circle. They stared directly into the camera on their way to the ring, warning fans at home that they were about to bust some heads, and then when they stepped between the ropes and bust heads, they did. Harlem Heat wasted no time in mixing it up with the top stars of WCW at the time, like Sting, Ric Flair and British Bulldog. They even joined forces with Sid and Vader to enter the unforgiving battleground known as War Games. Yeah, it's when the brothers took on the managerial services 2016, uh, 2006, sorry, W Hall of Famer Sherry Martel, that the stars began to shine. With Sister Sherry in the corner, it wasn't long before Harlem Heat captured the first WCW Tag Team Championship. Defeating Stars and Stripe and WCW Saturday night, Booker T and Steve Ray brawled with the likes of the Steiner Brothers, Sting, Lex Luger and the Nasty Boys on the way to seven reigns as WSW Tag Team Champions. So it's the 10th of August 1996 and we're going to hog wild WSW's uh, outside show where they brought the bikers in and didn't charge them admission to watch the show. But I mean, it's quite a novel concept. We've got the Steiners going to go and try and find the, uh, try and get the tag team titles back from the Hall of Famers Harlem Heat. Being managed by Sensational Sherry. Who's that man? Colonel Parker. He used to own Harlem Heat, and then Sherry came in and started a little bit fairer. So a white man used to own... I'm he used to come out in chains. Harlem Heat used to come out in chains. I could you not? Like, And you see the reaction they get from the bikers here as well. It's not positive at this time. <clears throat> but Sherry did a great job, you know, seriously like Shawn Michaels and other people's career, like that, being a manager. Really got kind of Harlem Heat, you know, she could talk when maybe they were a bit nervous too. You say this time Steve Race probably got a little bit more personality with Booker T. Now, Steiner, brothers, you can see uh, Scott Steiner's very much on his way to becoming a uh, big Papa Pump. And the Steiners will not be going in the Hall of Fame anytime soon due to Scott Steiner. Uh, but I'm sure they will do one day. They definitely deserve to be. And they're definitely working the crowd up. And of course, we've got Tony Chavani, Bobby Heenan, and the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, baby, on commentary. Are you happy about what corners are in in this match? Yes, it is, it is a bit more aesthetically pleasing. And we're going to start off with Scott Steiner, Booker T. Uh, Sturges has a big uh, Mike Bike rally and there's a huge, you know, Mike Bike fan. He's like, well, let's have an event there then. And Harlem Heat can't get their mind on a match yet. So how come the same sound that's disrupting the Harlem Heat isn't disrupting the Steiner brothers? That, I don't know, maybe they feel power from all these racists out in the crowd. But Steiner with a clubbing blow to Booker. Reverses it into a Irish whip, but gets caught. Double underhooked. By Scott Steiner into, like, a powerbomb. Now Stevie Ray caught with a suplex. Now Steiner line from Rick. And a dog-faced gremlin. And a traditional Steiner pose. There's stalling, and there's a bit too much stalling. Yeah, without a doubt, you know. And this is leaning towards the latter. Collar and elbow tie-up. 
Steiner's got hold of Booker T. He pushed him away. Scott with a shoulder block now running the ropes. Knee to the midsection for Booker. Out of the arm, wrenching it round. Looking for a super kick, but getting caught low by Scott. Oh my god, he's got him up in a grilla press slam. Takes down Booker. And it's weird to think how close kind of Scott Steiner and Booker T are when you think about everything we've seen in W versus WCW at the moment. Kind of trading TV titles, you know, United States title and all that kind of stuff. Later on in their careers with the world title and WCW. And even back in the day as it was, you know, Scott Steiner at the Steiners versus Harlem Heat. You can see the chemistry there as Scott Steiner sends Booker T out of the ring. I'm sure he's going to check on her man at ringside. And now Stevie Ray wants to have a word with Booker. He wants to tag himself in, handling it his way. And Stevie's tall and Scott Steiner, he's not going to back down. Both men having a shoving match. And these two men would later, on, later go on to be partners in the uh, NWO. <laughs> yeah. Steve Ray saying Scott Steiner's holding on to the hair, giving him a chance to rake the eye. And then slamming him down. Big boot to the face. Just getting stumped on now by Stevie Ray. And the crowd definitely not happy about what's going on. Big boot ducked by Steiner. Lovely T-bone suplex there by Scott. Tags in his brother Rick. And the dog face gremlin in on the attack of Stevie Ray. And in just a few short years, both of these tag teams were split up and both have like a bit of a... ...in each other as well, like, you know, Rick and Scott. Not quite culminating in a good match, and uh, Booker T and Stevie Ray as well. Yeah, and it, it, this is the thing as well, you know, with these two guys, with these two teams even, you have two stars, you know, Booker T obviously coming a much bigger t- style than Steve Ray, and you would argue that with Scott Steiner. And Rick Steiner, I mean, is that always the case with tag teams, and do tag teams need to split? You know, we saw it, of course, back in the day. Well, you know, it's uh, it's the... Sean Michaels, Marty Jannetty effect, mm. isn't it, really? And this is what we've seen since then. Because but, you know, well, with DIY, both of them have gone to be a Sean Michaels. Well, it was the thing, but the problem is with Chumper now being away, will Gagana have more success? But like at that point, and now Booker T can't believe that his brother is getting beaten up. Irish whip, but big boot up by Scott. Rick gets a tag, a couple of right hands, but Booker trying to go for the suplex is blocked. Look at T Irish Irish whipping Rick across the ring, getting caught in the back by Stevie Ray and uh, Harlem Heat are claiming their innocence there over that little cheating manoeuvre. So Booker T deserving of a two-time, two-time Hall of Fame induction? Well, I don't think Steve Ray was ever going to get there by himself and I think the Harlem Heat do deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. So if, they, if that's the way around it, then I suppose it's what it's got to do. I think Booker's one ring should accomplish the Harlem Heat thing as well, though. Do you know what I mean? So it's a little bit weird. Does Stevie Ray deserve being in the Hall of Fame? I think he does. You know, you look back at um, what Harlem Heat were like, you know, especially when they was a tag team in WCW, and I, I believe they get back together again as well in the late 99s, early 2000s for a, kind of like one last run for a tag team. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, he deserves to be in it for his tag team accomplishments. And Booker T achieved a lot as a single star as well. You know, five-time WCW champion. Comes over to WWE. Has a slightly successful career. And then, you know, especially 
even more successful as a commentator as well. Without a doubt, you know, Booker T is a great talent. I think severely underrated as well. When people talk about kind of, you know, superstars of the past 20 years or so. And at the moment, Booker T is all over Rick Steiner. Leapfrog. Oh, oh looking to go over the top against Colt by Rick. Slams him down, but only gets a two count. Two. Tags in his brother, Scott. And now what's Scott? He got planned. Drop kick. Stevie proving a distraction, but not for long. STF. Stevie Rain to break it up, though. Scott tags in Rick. And the referee saying he didn't, he weren't sure if he saw the tag. The tag definitely happened. So he's asking the crowd, and the crowd are going to back up the Steiner brothers. Very athletic, and you might argue that they're, they're quite ahead of their time, the Steiner brothers. Bring ability. I, and I think Harlem Heat as well definitely brought something different as well, do you know what I mean, to the division. I think it's very good mesh-up when you talk about, you know, great tag teams. They do need great rivalries as well. That's why we look so fondly at, like, Edge and Christian and Dudleys and stuff like the Harley boys. And I think with these two teams, you can see it here as well. They definitely want to be the kind of best tag team there. And but all four men definitely bringing it in this one. Indeed, yeah. But now it looks like Stevie's just sent Rick Steiner to the ring post. Well, after an Irish whip from uh, Booker T, sending Rick across the ring, getting low bridge by Stevie Ray, and that's kind of where the advantage took a hold for Harlem Heat. You got Sherry Martel there dishing out instructions and <laughs> going on the attack every now and again. And the size of them nails as well from Sherry Martel. Gets a bottle thrown at her from a member of the crowd. Oh, the Harlem sidekick, was that? Yeah, Booker went for it. Rick dodged. Got hung up on that top rope. And then sent to the outside by Rick. Can he tag his brother Scott in? Stevie Ray's in, though. Interrupts the what could have been a tag for the Steiners. Well, Rick's showing his toughness, but he's in the wrong part of town at the moment. Steve Ray just choking out Steiner. Now Steve Ray's got the rear chin lock on Rick Steiner. Rick trying to fight out, ducks a clothesline attempt, but gets caught with a pump kick. And Steve Ray said, that is over. Tags in Booker. Oh, drops a foot to the chin. Just kicking away at Rick. Goes for a cover. Oh, but Rick managing to kick out. Uh-huh. <clears throat> that is quite a nice and unique setting, to be honest. But with WWE, it still feels a bit unfinished. Like, they need to yeah. add a couple of other touches. If it was WWE, they would have done something... To make it a bit more, I don't know. But that's the only feeling here is Booker T. It's Viva Ray, one or the other. And they're putting Rick Steiner to sleep. The arm drops twice, fair time though, and Rick manages to keep it up. Booker T's grip is weakening as Rick fights out. Desperate for a tag to his brother, Scott. Booker T with a scoop slam though. Enticing Rick, who tells him he's number one, <laughs> looking to drop the elbow. Uh, enticing Scott, who tells him he's number one, looking to drop the elbow on Rick. Well, I think who he moves out the way, hits him with a sidekick. And he did the spin Rooney as well, even though he missed the elbow. Nice recovery. Stevie Ray in now, looking to put Rick away. Now Stevie looks to suplex Rick. Takes him out all the way down, going for the cover. This is it, surely. Don't call me Shirley, but Rick managing to kick out. Ah. Stevie with a slam to Rick. And now Booker off the second. Looking to drop that elbow. Rick rolls out the way. Nearly in reach of his brother. 
Scott gets a tag in. Booker T and Stevie Ray both in. And now Hugh Steiner lines and right hands. And Dan, you have to say about Scott Steiner. He's on fire, baby. <laughs> He's on fire. Overhead, belly to belly suplex. He was the one of the original Steiner machine, uh, Steiner suplex machines. He was, and Booker T stopping a pinfall account, a, a attempt. And now the Colonel's got sank in his hands. Oh, oh. there's a powder into Booker T's eye. Because uh, Scott Steiner ducks, but Sherry had a handful of her own. And then a cane to the back of Scott Steiner's head. And Harlem Heat retain their tag team titles. With lots of shenanigans. Oh, my God. But Sherry there showing how important she was to see the rubbish get thrown in. How important she was there to make up for the mistake. Dan, what are your thoughts on that match? Uh, it had some slow moments in, but it had some quite entertaining and fun moments as well. You know, it wasn't the worst tag team match I've seen, but it's, it's by no means the best either. It was it, it was acceptable. Exactly, and, and the Harlem Heat, you know, I think could bring it in a different circumstances, maybe with the right crowd. I think the difference between what we see with WWF and what we see with WCW is with a crowd really into it, you know, it does make a huge difference. With the commentators as well, like you said, talking about NWO during this match, as opposed to focusing on the uh, the action. But I think Harlem Heat deservedly so, and they're always going to win through nefarious means, aren't they? Yeah, they're a hill yeah. team, so I think that's what's good about them. Definitely deserve it to be in the Hall of Fame, you I know? think it's a huge waste of cocaine, though. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I, I definitely agree that Harlem Heat do deserve their Hall of Fame spot. Well, by 1997, the two brothers went their separate ways, Stevie going on to become a trusted member of the infamous NWO, while Booker became a breakout single star, capturing the WCW television title on several occasions. After Booker T and Steve Ray reunited and returned to a vastly different tag team landscape in WCW. However, Harlem Heat hadn't lost a step as he defeated the Jersey Triad to win the eighth WCW tag team titles at Road Roll 1999. Before the turn of the millennium, they added two more reigns as champions to, to their incredible resume, setting a WCW record that would not be broken for the company was purchased by WF in 2001. Though the brothers never competed as a team inside a WWE ring, there's no denying their pure dominance of tag team wrestling during the Monday Night War. That's why Harlem Heat are being inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Yeah, and I mean, I really like Harlem Heat, you know, even back in the day with WCW, uh, they made the list of our top tag teams, uh, and, and I think with Booker T and Steve Ray, Stevie Ray in that tag team deserves a bit of credit, you know, because we, we, we go on about him a little bit much, you know, during the NWO days and everything like this, but as Harlem Heat, that's why it worked. You know, Stevie was a bigger, badder one, and it just ended up with Booker T as a star. What are your thoughts on Harlem Heat? Yeah, that was a, a very good tag team. Both guys, very impressive wrestlers. I think Booker T was kind of a more standout wrestler because while Stevie Ray was kind of lost in the NWO shuffle, Booker T was off doing his own thing, capturing a five-time WCW champion and then also capturing some more when he became uh, when he came over to WWE as well. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, you know. And Harley Heat definitely deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. Now on the WWE Network right now, the red carpet starting for the Hall of Fame ceremony is going to be on for an hour. And you've got Byron Sexton and Maria Menounes doing the, uh, the the commentary, I suppose, over it. And, of course, Charlie Crusoe and others on the red carpet just speaking to Dana Warrior right now. And, of course, we've just seen Nakamura. We'll keep you up to date with that. But we move on to our next award. 
Yes, long-time WWE employee Sue Aitchison to receive the Warrior Award at 2019 WWE Hall of Fame ceremony. Yeah, the Walk uh, Warrior Award is presented with interviews that exude unwavering strength and perseverance who lives life with courage and compassion that bodies the indomitable spirit of the ultimate warrior. Yes, and Sue Aitchison, a 30-year veteran of WWE's corporate office, has been named the recipient of the fifth annual Warrior Award. Named after WWE Hall of Famer, the Ultimate Warrior. Yep, yeah, that's exactly what we just said. A WWE employee for more than 30 years, Sue Aitchison was widely credited with spearheading WWE's community outreach programs over the course of her storied career. She built a long-term partnership with Make-A-Wish and helped grant WWE wishes to more than 6,000 children. Aitchison also pioneered WWE WrestleMania Reading Challenge, inspiring a love of reading for millions of children around the world. Because of her commitment to giving back, Aitchison has also been a recipient of Make-A-Wish Chris Gracious Award. Well, Sue has dedicated her entire career to helping wish kids fulfil their dreams and putting smiles on countless families' faces. Her heart and character epitomise the essence of the Warrior Award to and WWE Chief Brand Officer. She is an unsung hero who deserves to be recognised and immortalised in the WWE Hall of Fame. It's an incredible privilege to present Sue with this year's Warrior Award, Dana Warrior said. My husband saw Sue's efforts firsthand throughout his WWE career. She displays the Warrior spirit every single day and is an inspiration to all of us. I am humbled to receive this prestigious award, Sue Aitchinson said. I look forward to continuing WWE's efforts with Make-A-Wish and other organisations to make a positive impact on children and their families around the world. And she will be inducted by Dana Warrior. Move on to our next inductee, and it's Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Yes, Brutus Beefcake was known for taking a little off the top and sides of his opponents after a win inside the squared circle. Now, the barber will be strutting and cutting into sports entertainment immortality. Beefcake first arrived in WWE late 84. He was a superstar who was just a as he was picking up wins in the ring. Vanity aside, Beefcake was no slouch as a competitor, racking up victories and even appearing in the very first WrestleMania. He found his first major success, major major success, success. as a tag team wrestler. He and fellow WWE Hall of Fame Greg Lehammer Valentine, known as the Dream Team, dethroned the British Bulldogs in August 1985 to capture the world tag team titles. At WrestleMania 3 in 1987, however, the Dream Team split up with Valentine and manager Johnny Valiant ditching Beefcake later, Brutus re-emerged to help Rowdy Roddy Piper even the odds in a hair versus hair match against Adrian Adonis, who had the mouth of the South Jimmy Hart in his corner. After Piper claimed victory, it was Beefcake who ended up sharing Adonis's, shearing Adonis's platinum locks off. It was a moment that changed Beefcake's career forever. Well, after a little training in the fine art of cutting hair, he rechristened himself Brutus the Barber Beefcake with a wild-eyed glare and a massive pair of hedge the barber became an immediate fan favourite with the W Universe, as well as a feared opponent in the ring. Both were due in part to his trademark sleeper hold, and for what happened after he puts his opponents to sleep. Well, leaving his hedge clippers aside in favour for more traditional haircutting tools, Beefcake showed off his unique barbering skills, giving his rivals a haircut that would leave them regret regretting ever stepping into the ring with the barber. Beefcake was also trusted friends of the legendary Hulk Hogan. The barber always had Hulkster's back, even if it meant staring down monstrous foes like Zeus. On his own, Beefcake was always a top contender for the Intercontinental Championship, where it was held by fellow 2019 
Hall of Fame inductee, the Honk Tonk Man, or Mr. Perfect. In fact, it was Beefcake who handed Mr. Perfect his first ever loss in WWE at WrestleMania 6. A paralyzing accident, a parasailing accident in 1990 nearly took Beefcake's life and seemingly cut his in-ring career short. Just as he was WWE, reconstructive surgery with titanium plates, screws and steel wires put his face back together and allowed him to make a miraculous comeback in 1991. Upon his return, Beefcake opened his barber shop, his own interview segment where he grilled the biggest superstars of the era and gave the more daring ones a trim. Still, Beefcake yearned to get back into the ring and compete. Against all odds, he did just that in early 93. Though his reconstructive face made him a target of an affair of superstars like the Million Dollar Man and IRS, the barber had a protective mask and backup in the form of Hogan joining forces and the Mega Maniacs, the barber and the Hulkster, faced Money Inc. at WrestleMania 9. So, the British Beefcake match we're going to watch is April 4th, 1993. That date rings a bell. Why? Why? Why would it? It would be around WrestleMania time. 93 would be number 90. James! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to watch some of the best pay-per-view, the best WrestleMania. It wouldn't be WrestleMania weekend if we didn't watch WrestleMania 9 in some part, thanks to you. And that's what we're going to do right now. (laughs) <laughs> Money Inc. coming out of Ted WRC and of course IRS. Does IRS deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Yes. Alright, fair enough. That's the <laughs> question asked then. So three of the four men in the Hall of Fame are at Caesars Pass, of course, anybody didn't know. Bobby Heenan, Jim Ross making his WF pay for you debut, and of course the Macho Man, Randy Savage. And we get the yellow and red smoke coming out. The Mega Maniacs, <coughs> Bruce the Barber Beefcake, Hoke Hogan. Well, we all know about uh, Beefcake wearing a mask because of the surgery he had, but look at the state of Hogan. It's a, a speedboat accident, I believe. In real life, but they're saying that Million Dollar Man paid a couple of guys to duff him up at the gym last night. Not not last night, as in as we were watching this. Oh, look at Dib- Hogan's come out here, the crowd loving it with Beefcake, and IRS and Dibiossi on the attack early. Yeah, IRS looking to hit Brutus with that. Uh, briefcase <laughs> Brutus the Barber Beefcase Briefcase And they send them Scurrying out the ring And Hogan Right off the Hulkamania Running wild Brand. So Hulk Hogan Going for the Tag team titles With his partner Brutus the Barber Beefcake Do you want to know An interesting fact About Hogan Got him We all know He main evented Eight WrestleManias Or nine WrestleManias As it was But he was the first man to vie or to fight for the WWF Championship at WrestleMania, the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania, WrestleMania 6, and the Tag Team Championships, of course, at WrestleMania 9. So, Hogan... He was the first person to go for the Grand Slam <laughs> yeah. at WrestleMania's. <clears throat> Hasn't he done that? I mean, like, Hogan doesn't really need that. Well, the reception that he gets, you know, especially nowadays, it's... 
it's worthy of legendary status, to be honest. You know, the man, love him or hate him, he has put his all into this business. But do you think Brutus Barber Beefcake's career has been on the coattails of Hulk Hogan? Not necessarily on the coattails of Hulk Hogan. I mean, you know, he was uh, he was involved in some way in the Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty kind of angle. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I, I don't think he's had the strongest of careers, Brutus, but he's had a WrestleMania moment and WrestleMania matches. I mean, you know... I think the end of this match goes on for just as long as the match itself. Yeah. Well, obviously, you know, this match kind of gets overshadowed by what happens at the end of the card in the main event. Yeah. I mean, who knows what could happen in an alternate universe if Hogan didn't do that massive power play he did. They would have walked out of it as tag team champions. And who knows what happened with Money, Inc. as, as champions then, you know. No, not Money. Uh, what are they called? Mega, Mega Powers. Powers. I would have thought of... Um, because it was the Mega Powers when he was teaming up with Brutus the Barber. It was the Mega Maniac with Macho Man. No, it's Mega Powers. The Mega Powers. Do this Mega Maniac then. Imagine the Mega Maniacs walking out around as tag team champions. And now Ted DiBiase in the back out with a Brutus. Brutai. And Brutus the Barber Beefcake is wearing that protective uh, face mask because he did get his face smashed in by the briefcase of Erin R. Scheister. Being backed up in a corner because he's wearing a Hulk Hogan red and yellow as well. <laughs> Double X handles smash on Brutus the Barber Beefcake. What IRS was holding him was unsuccessful. He's wearing that protective face mask. I think it's uh, metal plated. And we're going to get a meeting of the minds between Money Inc. Yeah, double noggin knocker and Brutus is going to send Dibios into the turnbuckle. Uh, Dibios sending Brutus headfirst into the turnbuckle. But again, because of that protective faceplate really unsuccessful six seven eight nine ten and beefcake responds with his own strikes in the corner and one to hogan's boot for good measure tags in hogan to a huge ovation from the crowd and the holster's in nine in the corner and dibiossi folding like a cheap suit now Hogan the punches and taking in the Hall of Fame of Brutus the Barber Beefcake. So what happened to I, uh, <coughs> IRS after all this then? Because, you know, obviously, you know, the Million Dollar Man went across. He was part of NWO, as was Hogan. Brutus the Barber Beefcake was across there as well. Even Man for the South. He ended up going across uh, to be a part of uh, another group in the late 90s, but it really didn't work for him. And he just retired, and he's not really been mentioned since. It was a bit weird for IRS, considering... The kind of legacy that lives on with him in WWE right now. Yeah, Bo Dallas and uh, Bray Wyatt, of course. And Brutus Beefcake holding Dibiase and Hogan comes down with double axe smash. So do you think IRS deserves a place in the Hall of Fame? I think if Coco Beware's in it, then yeah, IRS deserves to be in it. You know, talk about <coughs> what he's done, I think, with Money Inc. It's been enough, you know, Million Dollar Corporation. Well. But what does it take to to get into... The Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, what qualifications, what do you have to have done in WWE history? You have to be liked by the man's. I think that's the main thing. I think that happens. They'd be right. I think I don't want to say Brutus is the reason he's going in, it helps Hogan come back as well. I wouldn't say they're doing it just because of that, but there's a certain ring to it, you know. But anyway, speaking of Hogan and Brutus, they've just cleared completely. And Hogan left Brutus hanging, they just cleared the ring. 
Bruce went out for a double high five and Hogan just uh, was more interested in pandering to the crowd. Now they're looking to get a double count out and retain their titles. Oh my God, what a huge announcement that is. Well, it's uh, it's a good call. Our um, Money Inc. was just trying to walk away and keep their titles. But they've just been informed that not only will they lose the belts, uh, not only will they lose the match, but they will also lose the belts as well. So they come scarpering back in at the count of eight. No. They need to be met by Hogan. And he says, look, not two of you. I want one of you at a time. And Dibiossi does play a role in Hogan's career as well. When you think about Hogan losing the WF Championship after holding it on for four years, was thanks in part to Dibiossi wanting to buy the championship from Andre the Giant as well. That came up for grabs at WrestleMania 4. Hogan cost Million Dollar Man in the final against Macho Man Randy Savage as well. So it's really weird when you think they were against each other in a tag team five years afterwards. So, you know, two-thirds of uh, the commentary team as well would also jump ship to WCW. So it's quite amazing how, you know, a lot of the roster that was here tonight, you know, I'd say at least half of them went to WCW in a few years' time. Yeah, I doubt. Well, maybe it's like 75 and to build from that and create new stars rather than relying on the same old guys. Sound familiar? Dibiase now with a poke to the eye and just choking Hogan out with a rope. And our money has certainly got Hogan's number. I mean, quite an accomplished tag team, Money Incorporated are. And they take every shortcut in the book. And, you know, we've seen a car. He's always been on the side of heel tag teams, but this time he's on the side of a face tag team. Yeah, we've seen a lot of Jimmy Hart here today. <laughs> we're on the Hall of Fame. Is he not going to be in the Hall of Fame? No. And now it looks like Dibiase got a million-dollar dream. He's trying to put Hogan out here. It would be a shock as Brutus looking for a tag. Well, the amount of people he has put out with this move. Is the power of Hulkamania enough to help him escape from this? It needs to be strong. And he's fighting with everything he's got. He's got all the Hulkamaniacs in the crowd trying to get behind him. The whole of Caesar's Palace are chanting for Hogan, trying to get him back into this. Brutus, acting, Brutus is acting like a cheerleader. But the Roman Coliseum doesn't have rafters, so it's just the uh, expression. I've got to admit it, Heenan. And if the arm drops for another time, he's out. No, Hogan's going to fight back into this one. Making his way back to his feet the only way that Hogan can. No, 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 that was just a spurt of energy. Hogan's going back down and fading fast. He needs a tag to Brutus. Now, Briefcake, Beefcake? Now, Beefcake's got a sleeper on Ted DiBiase. And Dibiase may be out. Beefcake helping Hogan. Oh, and the referee trips over this strewn body of Dibiase. Can either of these men reach the 10 count? Hogan oh. sits up like the Undertaker. And the referee stops his count as soon as Hogan sits up and not stand up. And now he's looking around to try and find Brutus Beefcake. Dibiase tags an IRS. Oh, and Hogan tags in Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Unloading on IRS. Irish whip. Huge knee. Forearm takedown. Oh. Well, what a cheap shot, Dan. But IRS now looks to capitalise. 
Elbow. Make that two. Two. Put your fist drop. And he tags in Dibiase. He responds with a kick. Dropping the knees to the chest of Brutus. Oh, what's they going to do? They're going to take the mask of Brutus the Barber Beefcake off that's protecting his broken nose or broken cheekbone. Oh, they can't do this, surely. Don't call me Shirley. Oh, no. Beefcake's fighting back out of it. Well, if everything he's got. But Dibiase's just moments away from exposing it. Being called the million dollar man nowadays isn't really much of a feat, is it? No, I mean, it's, it's not, not no. a grandiose amount of money. He should be the billion dollar man nowadays. Yeah. Oh, DiBiase though, he's uh, gradually getting that mask off. He's got it. Oh my God, the horrible disfigured beefcake. I don't want to see the face. Oh my God, it is grotesque. Oh no, it's bad. It's really bad. And now, it, oh, into IRS's boot. Now IRS just holding beefcake and DiBiase with the right hands. DiBiase just unloading the rights onto the face of Brutus. The horribly disfigured face of Brutus the Barber Beefcake. <coughs> and ladies and gentlemen, if Brutus comes out to uh, to give his speech and he's carrying a pair of barber shears, take a shot. Exactly. And a double clothesline by Beefcake escaping the attack from IBS. IBS? From IRS. Yeah, from IRS. And Dibiossi now looking for... Maybe look for the tag, but they're going to go sleeper for IRS. He's going to try and win the tag team titles. Well, he don't want to be in Hogan's shadow. He wants to prove that he can do it for himself. But Hogan causes a distraction. And DiBiase, oh. Oh, wow. DiBiase from behind. Double axe handle smash to Brutus the Barber Beefcake, who toppled IRS, who went into the referee, El Hebner. And now Beefcake's struggling to get to his feet. Looking for Hogan. IRS tags in DiBiase. Hogan gets the tag. He's the legal man. See, look, even now, both teams are still playing by the rules. I mean, you don't get that sportsmanship nowadays, James. No, that is true. Hogan with the big boots, uh, with the big white hands, and now the boot to DiBiase. IRS comes in with Brutus's mask, gets kicked, drops it. Hogan and Beefcake double covers. Referee still down. And Jimmy Hart's coming in. Trying to revive the ref. He won't wake up. And oh my God, Jimmy Hart turning the jacket inside out. Goes down. One, two, three. And there you have it. New tag team champions. Hogan and Brutus the Barber Beefcake well deserved. And Jimmy Hart going to get the tag team titles. Beefcake and Hogan, even though we haven't heard the bell yet. Well, there's another referee coming out here now. Wow, so disqualification. Thanks to the inverting push, I guess. Well, it was a mask to the face, I think. Well, whatever the case, the Mega Maniacs aren't tag champions, and now oh, it looks like... Money ain't coming to attack Hogan and Brutus from behind with the titles. And Hogan's got the referee at cost them. Well, if, uh, if they hit the referee, they will get suspended and they will get a huge fine. But Jimmy Hart doesn't care about that. He's got enough money as he throws the referee straight over the top rope to the outside. He lands head under the announcer's table and I wouldn't want to be looking up JR's toga. Not at all, but even in defeat, 
Hogan and Beefcake will celebrate here. Dan, why do you love this match so much, Phil? I think it was just a just a feel good match. You know, it's even though they lost Hogan standing until celebrating with the fans. And he kind of give a bit of a rub to Brutus above Beefcake as well. Well, Beefcake is celebrating with Hogan right now. And, and Hogan's saying, hey, look, you're silly. I can't <laughs> dance in the middle of the ring. I'm Hulk Hogan. And Bruce is like, no, come on, come on. Come on. And they grabbed the suitcase as well, dispersed all the money, and are celebrating. To the fans and, oh, what's that inside the briefcase? It is a brick. Oh. And that is what made it so heavy and devastating as well. I mean, that is... Yeah. And there they go, look. Doing the strut down the ring. Well, you're happy, Dan. The fans in attendance at the time were happy. And Bruce's beefcake will be happy that he is in the Hall of Fame class of 2019. Well, while Beefcake eventually left WWE to head to WCW, he has remained one of the most enduring characters in WWE history and an all-time fan favourite of the WWE Universe. That's why there's no better honour for him than the inducting then the induction into the WWE Hall of Fame. Well, over in WCW, and it's not a career that was that successful because obviously the Brutus Barbecue Beefcake character couldn't be used. But he did main event Starcade 94 against Hogan. The crowd hated it uh, because there was no Ric Flair anymore and he'd been going around and attacking him. But this is the, the amount of failed gimmicks he had in WCW at the time. He had Big Brother Boot. The Booty Man. Brute Force. The Butcher. The Clipmaster. The Disciple. The Mariner. The Man with No Name. And finally, and possibly the most worst, the Zodiac. But unfortunately, oh, luckily for him, it's all been forgotten about because he's back to being good old Brutus, the Barber Beefgate. Of course, he'll be inducted by a lifelong friend, Hoke Hogan. Are you ready? <laughs> Well, as was first reported on ESPN, D-Generation X, the most rebellious group in WWE history, were the first inducted into the Hall of Fame class 2019. It's Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Road Dogg, Billy Gunn, X-Pac, and of course, China, to join the Hall of Fame. Well, DX was born out of the friendship between Shawn Michaels and Triple H, along with China and their insurance policy, ravaging Rick Road. The two pals were lewd, rude and in your face, bucking authority and letting anyone in there know that they had two words for them. Their penchant for crossing the line with regularity led to Brett the Hitman Hart calling Michaels nothing more than a degenerate, which HBK embraced, sparking the idea behind the Alliance's name. Are you ready? They think you can tell us what to do. You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. Break it down! So it's August 18th, 1997, Raw episode 223, and this is the kind of start of the entire 
D-Generation X and the group in itself. Triple H, Shawn Michaels teaming up for the very first time. The thing I love about this, Michael's coming out and China's been this kind of stoic figure this, you know, since she's debuted. And Michael's just dancing around, getting her in the face, showing off for her. And of course, they're going to go against the team of against. They're going to go against the team of Mankind and the Undertaker. So we asked a question about Harlem Heat earlier. Does Shawn Michaels deserve to have two, two Hall of Fame rings for DX and his career? Dan Booker T deserves two. Shawn Michaels certainly deserves two. But why? For his services to WWE. You know, he was part of the uh, Generation X. You know, they they was hugely popular and successful for the few years I was going and for the 10, 15 times that they reunited over the years. Yeah, they reunited so many times. This is a problem with matches when it comes to it. But finding a great DX match, Triple H and Michaels rarely, very rarely teamed up in tag teams. I'll tell you, a really, ni- a really good match is No Way Out 1998 and you've got No Age Outlaws, Triple H and Savia Vega going against uh, the babyface team. And, and the, the problem with that is obviously Michaels couldn't compete because he hurt it injured his back in January. But that was a kind of real you know, kind of knockout, drag-out brawl that we had. One great place the D-Generation X should have kind of performed on the grandest stage was at Survivor Series. I mean, a five-on-five tag match, all five members of DX. You know, they could have gone against the nation and... and another person exactly but exactly that was what was built there and we we saw what happened but it's going to be michael's and triple h for the first time now and michael's with his swag and of course he's had problems with the untaker recently cost him his uh cost in the untaker the wf championship yes and that was of course at SummerSlam, i believe if my memory serves me correctly it was and what's interesting about that michael's referee with untaken brett and triple h have been facing mankind so that feud kind of makes sense and the feud's been going along with china getting involved and Shawn Michaels seems more animated than Triple H does. I mean, I'll take it Triple H is just kind of coming off his uh, in full DX character at this moment. I mean, Shawn Michaels definitely is. Whereas he, Triple yeah. H is kind of a bit more serious, a bit... I don't know, he's kind of cutting his teeth at the moment, I suppose. Well, I doubt, you know, this is kind of end of the Hunter Hearst, Helmsy Cat, of the kind of posh guy forming into the Triple H we kind of know now. And thanks to Michaels, but Mankind... They've been backdropping Michaels and Triple H, and now they're going to double team. But I think Shawn Michaels deserves his two Hall of Fame rings just for what he's done in ring mm. on his own, you know? Well, definitely, and it means like Triple H could be inducted like three or four times now as well, so that'd be good for him as Mankind yeah. fighting off both men. Well, three times Evolution. And there's the COO. Once with Stone Cold as a two-man power trip. Mm-hmm. The Authority. The Authority. And the Undertaker comes in and Triple H and Michael just scarper. But they are working well as a team. Credit to them. the corporation as well. Yeah. There's the seven. They are working well as a team. It's China looking on. But, you know, the thing that I'm most glad about is that China finally gets recognised. I know it's, you know, it's, it's not as a solo act, but I think, you know, she still deserves... Her place in the Hall of Fame. Without a shadow of a doubt. And you see Undertaker there dominate Triple H in the corner. Michael's grabbing a foot of the Undertaker. Oh, but Triple H trying to take the Undertaker from behind. Getting thrown over the top rope. Taking out his tag team partner, Michaels. And he got... got... Super kick to the side of Undertaker's head. Michaels gets tagged in. I think back around the year, I think he contacted with that sweet gym music. But enough, so Michael's gone right to that spot. (laughs) Oh, my God. 
Van Michaels into the corner. Big boot to Triple H. Gives HBK enough time to kind of escape and compose himself. And Undertaker showing... he's calling down? Well, he's showing his recovery skills as the Undertaker. And he's calling Rick Rude down. Here he comes. The insurance policy that Michael promised he has. And now we're back from a break and Michael's just slammed Mankind down. Who catches him coming off the top rope. Uh, Mankind catches him coming off the top rope. Straight into that mandible claw. <coughs> oh. And it's, it's quite interesting as well. Like, you know, the matches that Triple H would have with Mankind, the matches that Undertaker would have with Mankind, the matches that Triple H would have with Undertaker, Shawn Michaels would have with Undertaker, and even Mankind with Undertaker as well. Exactly. So we're talking about the kind of end of an era that like we had at like WrestleMania, what was it, 28? Yeah. That, you know, it kind of shows how important it was. But trying to get involved, sending Mankind, splitting him in the ring pub. And now it's Michaels in. Mankind going for the close like Michaels dodged it, then blind tags in Triple H underneath the legs. Uh, Michaels goes down over chop block as Triple H clotheslines Mankind down. And goes yep. for the cover, but only a two count. Two, and they are working really well as a team as well. There's a game with the right hands and Michaels in position. Oh no, but Mankind throwing Triple H to the outside. Oh, but Michaels from behind. Having his partner get back into it. And Triple H throws Mankind into the steel steps. He's in all sorts of trouble now. Is China looking on? She's smirking, Dan. No, James. She hasn't got a scratch on the gob. She's got a smile on her face because she just can. <laughs> she's going into the Hall of Fame. But the interesting thing about China is she's been uh, inducted into the Hall of Pain as well because she's... And now Michael's got older Mankind. Sends him his Triple H's boot. Well, Mankind kind of rolls round it, uh, tries fighting out of DX corner, or just the tag team of Sean Michaels and Triple H's corner. They haven't got a name yet. don't know who they are. No, not yet. They're just a couple of degenerates. Yes, they are. And that's what they're we're acting like a well-old team at the moment, though, behind referee's back. And now it's Michaels going to look to suplex Mankind. And it's a thing of beauty. And Michaels now will be looking to put Mankind away with a little bit of sweet chin... Music as he tags in Triple H. Oh, but his foot gets caught by Mankind straight into the mandible claw. But Triple H had to tag in and looking to load up Mankind. Oh, no. Mankind gets out of the pedigree attempt. Oh. Inadvertently falls headfirst into Hunter Hearst Helmsley's crutch. And now three men down and Mankind looking to tag the Undertaker. The Undertaker's raring to get back into this. And here comes a dead man now, a huge right-handed Triple H. Sure, Michaels wisely getting out of dodge. Close on Triple H down. Drops a big leg across the throat. One, two. No, Hunter Hurst the managing to get the shoulder up at two. Two. And Undertaker eliminates him from the Royal Rumble. Oh, now he's got hold of Sure Michaels on the apron. Well, HBK delivers a thumb to the eye. Looking for a shot, but getting <laughs> caught by the Undertaker with a huge uppercut. Up a what? Sending Michael's throat first into barricade. And Triple H tried to introduce a chair but got cut off by Mankind. Undertaker choking out Michaels. Rick Rude coming from behind with a chair gets caught by the Undertaker and immediately drops it and backs off. Trying to beg away. Now referees looking over at Triple H and Mankind. Choke slam to Helmsley. They sent him flying up in the air but Michael's back in with a chair. Unprotected chair shot to the head of the dead man. And a chair absolutely dented and the Undertaker busted wide open. 
Undertaker's busted open trying to sit up. Oh my god. And now Michael's with a chair again. Second chair shot to the head. Now Michael's and Triple H just looking over the Undertaker. Mankind has crossed the ring. And the Undertaker sits up for a second time and DX wisely get out of the way. And make their way back up the ramp. Well, yeah, Rick Rude, China, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, what would become DX. And unbelievable stuff there. Dan, what do you think of the match? I thought it was quite good. You know, it's a good way to kind of introduce them as a tag team. And uh, it is very interesting to see what they became from this. Without a shadow of a doubt. When Mike went later from the squared circle following WrestleMania 14... Triple H expanded the members of the group, welcoming the New Age Outlaws, Road Dog and Billy Gunn, and the cocky X-Pac. You might not think, you might, though you might not think it would be possible, the new DX turned up the irreverence to 11 and helped lead WWE into the Attitude Era. DX's defiance wasn't just limited to WWE. In one of the most infamous and grand the era the rebels hopped aboard the tank and drove for monday night raw to rivals wsw monday nitro launching one of the biggest attacks in the monday night war the group eventually went their separate ways but the dx name would not be limited to the history books after that following a long rivalry against each other michaels and triple h patched things up and donned the green and black once again they reunited dx may have only been the tag team of the game and hbk but that did not stop them from making Mr. McMahon's life a living hell. The two job makers were falling aside of W Chairman, subjecting him to a flurry of pranks, even so far as vandalising Mr. McMahon's personal limo and jet, leaving a mark on the WWE headquarters. And it wasn't only fun against for Michaels and Triple H, they also captured the tag team titles along the way. Even though they disbanded once again and moved on to other roles within the industry, the DX Army maintained a close bond and a tight-knit together for special occasions like Monday Night Raw's 25th anniversary where they shared a too-sweet moment with the Balor Club. And now DX are into the annals of sports, entertainment, history. And of course, a lot have been said about DX. And we followed DX really since the inception, haven't we, on WWE versus WCW. So we, we've seen a lot of changes through there. Um, Talk about great moments. I mean, the, the other match we're going to watch, the last match we're going to watch now, is to honour China, basically, because we'll have a superstar profile we'll do will be DX, and we'll go into more detail if we've missed anything out there. Uh, but we are going to honour China now in our last match. Don't treat me like a woman. Well, our last match is from No Mercy 1999, and it's October 17th. It's a good housekeeping match for the Intercontinental Championship. It's China, Hall of Famer for 2019, going up against Jeff Jarrett, Hall of Famer for 2018. That is J-E-double-F-J-A-double-R-E-double-T. Well, we got there in the end. So, uh, in the spirit of respecting women, we are having a good housekeeping match. 
Okay, I'm going to ask you a question about this episode that we've been doing. <laughs> what makes this match different to the other matches that we've watched? Um, it's in the gender. <laughs> okay, what, what's been what's been the theme? It's a title on the line in this match. What the, the match has been that we've watched so far? Tag teams. All tag team. This is our only second single match. So this all started on Raw when uh, Jeff Jackley, kind of champion, issued an open challenge for anybody to sign it. And it was China who eventually put her name down. And Jeff Jack didn't take it as a serious threat. And it came back to haunt him because at Unforgiven, China came set. And if it wasn't for scab referee Bruce Pritchard costing her the opportunity, then she would never have got the victory there. And as you see on Raw, with all these shenanigans, with China earning enough opportunity, thanks to the guitar shot to the back of the head, it would be good housekeeping because Jeff Jack says that women should stay in the kitchen and not compete. And China, well, she does want to hear that. But China, she has been a groundbreaking performer. Without a doubt. And she deserves credit. And that's why we like to focus on her more than the rest of the X because that's how much it means at this moment in time what China did. And what better way than watching... I mean, I think it will now and ever will be a woman with the Intercontinental Championship as well. Do you know what I mean? First time ever and only. Yeah. Now you think what other women, no matter how over they are... Will they really have a run, you know? Don't forget, China was involved. She was a number contender for the WWE title for a couple of weeks when she beat The Undertaker and Triple H. So, you know, talk about her being that high up in this steam. Oh, indeed, yeah, you know, she broke ground being the first woman in a Royal Rumble as well. Didn't she win the Battle Royal to get number 30 as well? Yeah, she won that as well. But you thinking, you know, a multiple time at the kind of champion, women's champion. The only problem with China, maybe her ego got the better of her in, you know, 2001 when she thought she was on the same level as Austin. But the thing is, I don't like the excuse Triple H saying that because of what she did afterwards. Well, the thing is, if you look at Sunny, Sunny would be a worse example than I think China is, just because China's been in a few porn. And you look at the amount of girl, women now who have either been involved in it or the kind of due to the hacks. You know, you can't really now have the yeah, high but, ground. But the thing is, is with the hacks, it was something that was made to be, it was made personal and, you know, with no intentions yeah, of selling uh, and displaying for the others and it was just people outside hacking it into it. Whereas China made it for sale, made it for money, made it for distribution. Okay, so what about WWE having the Playboy agreement that they had every year? Wasn't that the same as the kind of demeaning from that? But Playboy is tasteful. Oh, come on. It, it's it it's is own, isn't it? I, some porn is tasteful, right? You just have to find the right one. In Gang Bang <laughs> 6, James. Wanking off horses. Not, play, uh, not playful. Not I, do you know? Tasteful. I, I remember 1999 because obviously first year has been a proper wrestling fan. And Miss Kitty, my God, was she one of my favourites. Stacey Carter wasn't around for long, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, she just, I think so pretty. And, of course, she had was a replacement for Deborah. You've re-round and paused it oh, many, many times. <laughs> kitty, kitty, kitty. It's Kitty coming in. You see a little bulge. A penis. James. Why have you got a cover covering your midsection and why is it rapidly moving I'm up and busted down? Busted wide open. So Jeff Jack coming out here. And another interesting story about this match is Jeff Jack held WWF and Vince McMahon ransom 
because of this match as well. Uh, his contract had expired and he said, oh, I'm going to leave for WCW. And he had to, Vince McMahon had to agree an extension and sign a $175,000 check. That's why he's kind of blacklisted for so long, but he was willing to put China over. And here comes a ninth wonder of the world. Well, I, I like that, China. She's coming out with a, a bin and a broomstick. She's going to do some sweeping up on her way to the ring. A good bit, bit of good housekeeping. Say, say it to her face. I would do. She's dead. No, not, she gonna no, no, no I'm saying I'm saying back then. And China means business. Maybe she's looking to sweep up here tonight, Dan. Yes, and take out the trash. And uh, the guy think, and Jeff Jarrett's got the kitchen sink. And now the broom in hand going after China. Also the equipment around ringside. Now with China grabbing the leg. Dragging Jeff Jarrett out, and China's wearing a, a very tasteful thong. And she got Jeff Jarrett slams off against Barry Cade. But I suppose if Rikishi can get away with wearing a thong and Yokozuna can get away with wearing a thong, why not a woman as well? Equal rights and all that. China sends Jeff Jarrett into Barry Cade. Going to throw him back into the. Of course, first women to be in the King Ring tournament as well. We talk about accomplishments that China has had. Reverse Jarrett ripped to Jeff Jarrett. A huge clothesline down. So do you not think someone the likes of Nia Jax could become Intercontinental Champion? No, I don't think they're on a level of China. China transcended. I think she was special. I don't think, even though how popular Becky Lynch is, has has been what she is, to be a competitive effort. Look at China's built. China is bigger than Daniel Bryan. Indeed, yes. And, 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 you know, you're saying that Sasha Banks, you like the way she fights because she fights like a man. I think China fights better than most men. Yeah, I think that's true, yeah. And <clears throat> she's know? she's believable in what she does, and the, yeah. the selling's good as well. And a trash can to Jeff Jarrett's face, now got on the outside. Oh, oh I thought China was going to give Jarrett a uh, cream pie, but instead she gives him a s- huge sausage to the back. Clotheslines yep. him down with uh, a broom. And now she's got the, oh my God, frying pan. Skillet. Right to the back of Jeff. He's going to crown him. Got a gurning ring on. And China just dishing out loads of punishment. And she's got the banana. Oh, the dreaded nana. Rams it down his throat. And Jeff Jarrett managed to deep throat three quarters of a banana. At least two bananas. And now she's got the cream. Oh. Over Jeff Jarrett's head. And these two Hall of Famers. Hall of Fame for 2018 and 2019 going at it. And Jeff's accidentally getting his creamy goodness on Miss Kitty. And now China with a trash can shot to the face. Broomstick to the midsection. Did a bit of housekeeping now, clearing a table. Oh, now with Jarrett from behind looking to smash China's head into the table. China blocks it and pummels Jeff Jarrett into it. And now the table's coming into play. Jeff Jarrett put on top of it and China going up on the apron. Here she comes. Oh, looking to drop that elbow onto Jarrett away. And China lands next to a big brown log. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's a salami. It looks delicious. Oh, no, it's Teddy Long. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping it in. Uh, uh, <laughs> Jeff Jarrett goes in the ring there. China went for everything and came up with nothing. Well, Jeff Jarrett's had a enough. He's going to put China in her place. Oh, my God. Oh! What's that funny smell, said the fish up here in China? <laughs> oh, and it's trash can to Jeff Jarrett's face. 
poor China getting thrown in. Well, don't treat it like a woman, don't you? But now they've got the ironing board. Well, I think that's what it is. I don't know, it's for us to use. No, moving out of the way, going to Irish whip. He wants Kitty up. China, the velocity of that Irish whip sends her to the outside. And now he's shouting demands at Kitty. I think he wants her to make a cake. Well, to make an omelette, you've got to break a... <laughs> Putting in some milk. Bit of flour in there as well. There you go. She knows what she's doing. Bit of flour in Jeff Jack's hands. How could this possibly go wrong? Oh! Oh, well, China could <laughs> smash Jarrett's hands so he blinds himself with the flour. And China's covered in the white stuff. Oh, my God. Miss Kitty thrown in. We've seen a lot of powder thrown around tonight as well. And that's not just back. And China sending oh. Miss Kitty. It's your time. Oh! oh. Covering her all white stuff. Miss Kitty down. Oh. Jesus Christ. And Jeff Jack now going to take advantage with a figure four. Got it locked in. It's only a matter of time before China taps out. And China is just seconds away from losing the biggest opportunity of her life. You can feel the crowd getting behind her. China gets to the bottom rope. Now Je- uh, Miss Kitty giving Jeff Jack the tongs. And now here comes Jeff off the top. Oh, oh but China going down low. And now China's got him. Oh! Straight on Jarrett's junk. <laughs> and now China with trash can. The back as well. Oh my God, a pot to the back of the head. And now she's got a couple of pies. Two in the <laughs> face. All over the camera as well. There's a mess everywhere. Tyler's made a creamy mess all over Jarrett. And now she's got everything. She's used everything, Dan. Sink. Oh. Straight between the eyes of Jarrett. Goes for a cover. One, One two. two. Oh. Only a two count. Two. Well, may- maybe a woman just can't beat a man when it comes to this. And it cannot title, Dan. There's Jeff Jackson. All sorts of trouble. She's going to get pedigree now. Onto a cream cake. Oh, no, wait a minute. Oh. Aww. Well, she's got cream pied all over the backside. And then move it doesn't work in real life. Slingshot into Teddy Long. He's asking Miss Kitty for the belt. Well, there's white stuff everywhere. All this liquid all over three combatants. Miss Kitty is a part of it right now. And the got title by Jeff Jack is given to him. Smashes China in the jaw. Goes for the cover. One, two, three. And Jeff Jarrett retains the Intercontinental Championship. And what a damn shame. Good housekeeping, but... Is the Intercontinental Championship an item of good housekeeping? Would would that be in your home? It's a belt, but a championship and... Well, hang on. I'm going to tell you Long's wait a minute. We'll speak to Jeff. Hang on, player. I'm going to make this into a tag team. He's not making it into a tag team match, but he said that that's not an everyday, that's not an item of household. It isn't, no. You can't wash dishes with it. You can't cook with it. You can't iron with it. <laughs> so, I think they're going to restart the match. Hang on, player. And the match is going to continue. He's having to go to Howard, but it's not his fault. It's Teddy Long's. Uh-oh, now Jeff's had enough. Sweeps the leg of Teddy Long. 
But it's a guitar household item. Well, China just used it on Jeff Jarrett. Smashes it over his head. Going for the cover. One, two, three. And China becomes the first ever woman to win the Intercontinental Championship. What a moment here. And you questioned it. Well, in the license house, it would be an everyday object. In Jeff Jarrett's house, if you're a musician, you would have it. So more than the Intercontinental title would be a one-off item. A guitar would be more than that, I suppose. But China wins. Dan, what do you think of the match? I thought it was a very uh, good, very interesting match as well. It, but, you know, it is a hugely historic moment. And you can't take that away from China. Yeah. I think of all the matches that she had, you know, for me, this is probably the most fun. When we look at her career retrospectively, and you think of this moment as well, where she was treated as an equal, and I think that's what's important when you look at women's wrestling as well. Looks like Miss Kitty is leaving with China here, but no, China puts in the effort, wins the title, and joins the Hall of Fame class of 2019. And so she should, and right now on the Hall of Fame red carpet, we've seen a few intervals, the interviews, haven't we, down of um, The Miz and Strowman, but nothing really groundbreaking. Uh, for the Hall of Fame. No, it is quite interesting to see them out of character with their families. Mm. You know, they they seem more relaxed and, you know, smiley and happy, which is what I like seeing wrestlers. Not their all-time current serious yeah. self. Well, one big change this year for the set is that the Hall of Fame set, well, it looks like there's actual ring where they'll be coming up and doing the uh, the speeches from there as opposed to having the, uh, the screen there. And of course, like we're saying, you're seeing Charlotte and Sienna now, who of course are a couple, and probably Charlotte wears the trousers in that relationship. Uh, but finally, before we end things here, where WWE have announced the Legacy Awards, the 2019 Hall of Fame. Yes, it's WWE's way, WWE's way to shoo in people who deserve to be in a long time ago. So we've got Playboy Buddy Rose. Wahoo McDaniel. Luna Vachon. Jim Barnett. Bruiser Brody. SD Jones. Turu Tinaka. Primo Conera, Hiroshi Shinma, and Joseph Cohen, who's in the celebrity wing. Well, the most notable inclusion amongst the selection is Frank Bruiser Brody Goodish, a man who in the 70s and early 80s innovated the brash, brawling style which had helped eventually become templates for the Attitude Era. He has long been conspicuous by his assessment for the Hall of Fame, which many have been attributed to a tragic murder at the house of Jose Gonzalez in 1988. In addition to the four inductees we learned yesterday, Mr. Fuji's longtime tag team partner, Professor Toru Tanaka, and wrestling journeyman, S.D. Jones, perhaps best remembered for his nine-second defeat to King Kong Bundy at WrestleMania, will join Brody in the Legacy Wing this year. Uh, pre- Primo Canera, Madison Square Garden Network creator Joseph Cohen, a one-time on-screen WF president, Hishashi Shima, will round out this year's class. So we've had... Yeah, we've gone through the inductees, the Legacy Awards, and of course the, the Warrior Award. Dan, what award, who, who are you most looking forward to going to the Hall of Fame this year? Well, all the wrestlers have said DX. So I'm going to say, not DX, I'm going to say Brutus the Barber Beefcake. And why the Beefcake for? Because no one's mentioned him, and I feel sorry for the poor fucker. Well, no, to be fair, no one has mentioned him. Uh, I've got to say the Heart Foundation maybe for me would be the choice to do it uh, because, you know, with Bret Hart, Jimmy and I, what they've done. But DX would be interesting as well. What do you think speech in the night will be? Hopefully not a long one. No. Um, 
I think, I think Harlem Heat. Harlem Booker T. I was going to say Booker T as well for that as well. Uh, so we'll we'll give you updates tomorrow night because we're live again tomorrow at 10 p.m. and we'll run through the Hall of Fame ceremony quickly and more details obviously in the, in the upcoming weeks as well. We're live tomorrow at 10 p.m. But anything else about the Hall of Fame here tonight, Dan? No, I, I, I hope there's a few good moments. Uh, I wonder what reception Hulk Hogan to get when mm. he's introducing uh, the beefcake. Uh, but I just hope there's, you know, there's a good laugh and it's a, a light-hearted mood. It's not too serious. Yeah. And, and it, it's not too long. Like It doesn't go on for seven and a half hours, you know, like indeed, it did yes. last time like around. One speech went on for seven and a half yes, hours. Yes, to be fair. And it, you know, yeah, exactly. So hopefully that solves it out. We're looking forward to the Hall of Fame. And we'd like to thank everybody for the NXT TakeOver yesterday as well. Our live show is a great pay-per-view event in itself but the kickoff was just as enjoyable and of course tomorrow night 10 p.m for wrestlemania but you can follow us or let us know how you thought of it on twitter at wwe or at vince mcdan wwe i'm at jan score roland we are on instagram the wnr podcast where we post all the latest pictures up on there and episodes as well we're on facebook yes facebook come and find our page and give us a like with a wwe network review podcast or you can come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. Send us an email at podcast at gmail.com. We're on YouTube, WNet Review Podcast. Your clips on there, podcasts go up on YouTube. There are places like SoundCloud. On your phone. We're also on Spreaker Radio where we're live now and, of course, live tomorrow night and live every time we do it. Hey, Joe, and iTunes where you can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. But that is it. It is time for the W Hall of Fame class of 2019. We cannot wait. I have been James Rowlands. And as always, always joined by... Dan White. We'll see you tomorrow for WrestleMania at 10pm. Bye. Bye.